Hello and welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, a publication of Citizens Union Foundation. Thanks very much for tuning in here for this episode of the show. We are speaking on the morning of Wednesday, August 24th, 2022, the morning after New York's second primary of the year. This one for seats in the New York State Senate and the U.S. House of Representatives from New York comes after June's party primaries for state assembly and statewide seats, which, of course, had Democratic and Republican primaries for governor. And we're heading into the real season of the general election when it comes to the statewide races and much more. And now we're through both primaries, which is a very unfortunate outcome of a very messy redistricting process. And we're uh, still a little bitter about that, but we uh, are somewhat over it. And I am here speaking on the morning after primary day number two with a fellow bleary eyed uh, journalist, Jeff Colton of City and State. He's the bureau chief uh, for City and State, but also covers lots of state and federal politics as well as City Hall. Jeff, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on. I do love elections, so yes. always eager to talk about this stuff. Exactly. Same here. And I really appreciate you coming on in the morning here so we can get this out to listeners uh, as quickly as possible. A little breakdown here. We're going to focus on the state Senate primaries. A programming note for listeners. I'm also uh, recording and posting an episode here on August 24th, Wednesday, with Mara Gay of the New York Times editorial board. So catch that as well. We talked about the board's decisions in their three endorsements in congressional races, all of whom were victorious, uh, probably at least partly due to the board, which may even have been decisive in one of the three races. And that was for Sean Patrick Maloney in the 17th congressional district, where he won easily, Jerry Nadler in the 12th congressional district where he won by a wide margin, and then Daniel Goldman in the new 10th congressional district of lower Manhattan and parts of Brooklyn, where he has been declared the victor by a pretty narrow margin of victory. And again, the Times editorial board endorsement may be making the difference there. So we'll get into a little bit of that here with Jeff Colton of City and State, but also catch that conversation with Mara Gay of the Times editorial board in your Max Politics podcast feeds and at the Gotham Gazette website. And I was also very happy to join another late night recording session of the FAQ NYC podcast with hosts Harry Siegel, Christina Greer, and Katie Honan. So you can catch that where we got into a whole bunch of themes of the elections that we won't even probably get into much here. So there's a lot of different stuff to discuss and we're not really being redundant here, even in all these conversations. So check them all out or whatever appeals to you most. Uh, Jeff. New York State Senate primaries here. What's our big takeaways before we get into specifics? Um, what what are some of the big sort of themes, the big uh, takeaways that you have here the morning after in these state Senate races? What has been uh, keeping you up or what did you wake up thinking about? What are the big thoughts on your mind this morning? Look, the incumbents in the state Senate might have been pretty stressed out about uh, the redistricting saga. Um, of course, you could argue they uh, <laughs> might have brought this upon themselves a little bit by really pushing the line of uh, gerrymandering. But we'll leave that to a different episode. <laughs> anyway, state senators, the incumbents, they were stressed out about redistricting. But in the end, 
things are working out for them. It was a really good night for incumbents, not a single incumbent lost. A lot of them faced challenges. A lot of them faced serious challenges, uh, but they held on. And that was kind of across the uh, ideological spectrum. Uh, progressives were facing challenges from the right or the center. Uh, there were some Republicans that were facing challenges. There were some moderates. Um, and in the end, yeah, everybody won. Uh, as for the open races, uh, it was, it was, I guess, a mixed bag. I mean, there were some huge progressive victories, uh, especially Kristen Gonzalez, uh, backed by the Democratic Socialists of America. So there's another DSA member that will be heading to Albany. Uh, we also have another progressive win, Leah Webb, up in Binghamton and Ithaca. Um, but it wasn't all progressives. I mean, there were some other open seats where uh, the more moderate candidate won. I'm talking about like uh, Jessica Scarcella Spanton, Monica Martinez, Natalia Fernandez. We're going to have a, a good amount of new state senators heading up to Albany for session next year. And uh, there's ideological diversity. It was mixed. So some mm. wins for progressives, some wins for moderates, and uh, overall, good night for incumbents. Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking it was a good night for incumbents across the board, again, as you get at uh, various, you know, sort of political leanings and ideologies and allegiances and so forth. Um, but overall, a pretty darn good night for the left. Um, obviously, the left of the party came up short in the New York 10 congressional race, but still performed quite well. And, you know, that district is very friendly to the left. It just so happened that there were, you know, several candidates more in this in the sort of left uh, lane or lane in that race uh, and Dan Goldman more, you know, dominating the sort of more moderate lane with a national focus. Um, but beyond that one, you know, a lot of wins for the left, including as you get at Kristen Gonzalez in this open and new 59th uh, state Senate district, which includes lots of uh, Western Queens, a chunk of Western Brooklyn and um, and a very strange little swath of Manhattan, including uh, Stytown uh, and Kipps Bay, a uh, very interesting triborough district there. But anyway, Democratic Socialist winning that primary by a wide margin over former city council member Elizabeth Crowley. She looks like she'll join the sort of socialist uh, caucus in the state Senate and state legislature, another significant win there for, for DSA and the left. And she had a lot of support, uh, even from uh, state Senate Deputy Leader Michael Janaris and, and, you know, and, and others. Um, and then you had, um, you know, you had some very interesting, more sort of progressive sitting incumbents fending off really organized immense challenges from you know, sort of the more moderate side of things, but also just it was just sort of like a power politics situation with uh, Representative Adriano Espaya backing some of these challengers. Who did you think was most likely to lose their state Senate seat? Was it Gustavo Rivera in the Bronx? Was it Robert Jackson in Manhattan in the Bronx in the new district that he's in? Um, somebody else, Kevin Parker in Brooklyn, maybe who do you think was the most vulnerable? So hands down, I was really thinking that Robert Jackson, the state senator from Upper Manhattan and the Western Bronx, was going to lose, uh, primarily because of demographics. This is a majority Latino district, heavily Dominican, uh, even the voting base. And, and Robert Jackson is black. And I really thought that the Latino voters there would be supporting Angel Vasquez, especially because he had such uh, organized opposition behind him. I mean, we're talking Adriano Espeat, the, the mm. local congressman. 
there was some outside spending, hundreds of thousands of dollars from a uh, pro charter school group was supporting him. Uh, he had just a, just a whole army behind him. The, the Squadriano, I call it, mm-hmm. of uh, Espaillat's team uh, was backing Vasquez. And, and look, Jackson has been, a, uh, I think, a, a well-regarded state senator. He also had a lot of establishment support behind him, the unions, whatever. But I really, really thought Vasquez was going to win, and he didn't. Uh, in fact, Jackson won definitively. I mean, it was a pretty... Uh, I don't have the number in front of me, but it was, I don't know, something like 20 points uh, ahead of Vasquez. So really a a, a resounding win by Jackson. Uh, Jackson is certainly one of the more progressive state senators. He's not a uh, DSA member, but, you know, he's very much aligned with the WFP. And uh, his big thing was that he took down an IDC senator. He beat Marisol Alcantara a couple years ago. So Mm. this was a, uh, a really validating win for uh, progressives in in Upper Manhattan in the Bronx. Um, And of course, I also had my eye on Gustavo Rivera, as you mentioned. Uh, He represents uh, a Western Bronx district that was uh, substantially changed with redistricting. A lot of new constituents. Um, There was a real fight over who would would run in what district in the Bronx. And uh, the way it ended up was where the Bronx Democratic Party uh, decided to run a candidate against its own Democratic incumbent. Gustavo Rivera had always uh, he butted heads with the uh, with the county organization. He he's certainly uh, a progressive. He goes his own way. He's not afraid to criticize folks, and you know didn't always see eye to eye with the Bronx Dems. And so you know what they went with Miguelina Camillo, uh, and she ran a really strong race, also with a lot of support from uh, Congressman Richie Torres, also Congressman Adriano Espaillat, uh, kind of the full power of the Bronx Democratic Organization. And uh, yet she also fell short to Gustavo Rivera. That was a very tight race. I think he only ended up uh, ahead by about five percentage points. But uh, yes, those those races, I was really watching. I was on the ground uh, on election day, uh, checking out both of those candidates, uh, wanting to, to see what it was looking like. And mm-hmm. uh, I was I was surprised as the results rolled in that both yeah. incumbents, Jackson and Rivera, held on. Yeah, they, they, those were those are seemingly at the top of the list uh, in vulnerability as well. You know, I thought we'll come back to those in just a second. I thought there was a you know outside chance that um, Kevin Parker in Brooklyn would get upset by David Alexis, the Democratic Socialist of America backed candidate there, but there was a third candidate in the race who clearly took some of the sort of anti incumbent vote, and Parker wound up actually at under 50% of the vote there, even though he's going to win fairly easily. Um, I thought there was an outside shot there that given low turnout and the sort of organizing of the left, you know, knocking on doors and, and leafleting and all of that, that there was a chance there, but unlikely. And, um, you know, I'm not I'm not sure who else besides that. You know, I thought it would be interesting to watch what happened with State Senator Jabari Brisport, a Democratic Socialist in Brooklyn, facing this moderate challenge from Conrad Tiller, who had the support of Mayor Eric Adams and others trying to unseat the, the Democratic Socialist uh, Brisport, you know, one of several incumbents on the left who fought off these challenges that at least had either some or a very large amount of sort of establishment, moderate backing um, but Bridgeport winning very easily there. And, and there were a few other interesting ones, all, by the way, leading to a, a pretty rough night for Mayor Adams in his endorsements, because very clearly not only did candidates he was backing not win other than Kevin Parker, an incumbent, but he has further 
uh, upset the <laughs> some of the key powers that be in Albany, you know, when you thought almost that it couldn't get much worse for him in terms of some of those relationships based on on the ways that he's been fighting with people over bail reform and some other things. Uh, you know, he's now gone further in these elections. What, what do you think uh, the outcome is here for for the mayor? Yes, yeah, certainly not a good night for him. Uh, he went one for four. And uh, look, Kevin Parker, that that was uh, to me kind of a layup, right? He's the yeah. incumbent. He had a lot of support. Uh, I think even DSA was realizing that that was a very tough race to win in a, in a central Brooklyn district that hadn't been very hospitable to uh, progressive candidates before. So yes, uh, Adams backed him there, but uh, he really went on a, out on a limb uh, with Conrad Tiller over uh, Jabari Brisport. Uh, he backed Miguelina Camillo over Gustavo Rivera and uh, Elizabeth Crowley in that open uh, state right. Senate race where Kristen Gonzalez ended up winning. So yeah, look, there's a lot of ideological consistency here. Adams is always eager to back uh, candidates who are facing challenges from the left, uh, from democratic socialists or from uh, progressive candidates. He's he's a moderate Democrat and his politics, uh, his electoral politics prove that time and time again, even if he can often be confusing with, with his, uh, you know, policy and his government applications of it. Uh, so, but- so, yeah, I mean, you know, it was, it was a rough night for him. It was a, a very good night for, you know, state Senate Majority Leader Andre Stewart-Cousins and Deputy Leader Michael Janaris, who runs the, you know, Democratic uh, Senate Campaign Committee for the for the state Senate Democrats. You know, they held their incumbents, especially those facing some really serious threats like uh, like Rivera and Jackson. Um, and now, you know, more reason for them to, uh, you know, keep the mayor's <laughs> requests uh, at some arm's length. Um, the thing I don't understand about Mayor Adams here is he he makes these endorsements or he throws some support by behind these candidates. But especially in, in these cases where they're uphill battles, he doesn't go he doesn't go fully in. And, it, you know, it reminds me of him not really going fully in for Francisco Moya in wanting to make him the city council speaker. And he and his team lost that battle. Um, I'm not sure what, you know, obviously he's being mayor, so he does. He has limited time to go campaigning, but he didn't really do very much for any of these candidates. And then he just winds up facing these losses and this political narrative that he's going to be very upset about, about, you know, his candidates losing uh, any any insights there as to why, you know, they wouldn't try to, you know, get the mayor out there a little bit more. If these are the candidates he really wants to win, why doesn't he go do some real campaigning? I, I wonder the same thing. Right. These seemed like paper endorsements to me. I didn't see him working too hard. I mean, uh, part of me wonders if he thinks that, you know, campaigning is is beneath him now that he's mayor. I mean, look, he was very much campaigning for himself for mayor. He was out and about. I'll give him credit. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that has that perspective has changed. I mean, I got to be honest, it does make me think a little bit of uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who uh, is also a, a very prominent politician, a national figure. She does a lot of endorsements, but we don't see as much follow through with these endorsements. I mean, look, her email list raising money is uh, a huge factor for any candidate she endorses. She can really drive some excitement and, and some money towards them. 
But uh, right, I, I just didn't see any uh, Ocasio Cortez like rallies or events uh, in the final days that could have really been a factor for the candidates she supported. Um, and I should say, to her credit, uh, she backed Gustavo Rivera, who won. She backed uh, Kristen Gonzalez, who won. So it's not like she got her her candidates got blown out. But uh, yeah, I, I was also surprised that that Adams is giving these paper endorsements. Um, but but not putting as much support in. I, I will say, just going back a little bit, that you know, yes, Adams is starting off uh, at a tough position in Albany going into next year. Uh, that said, the candidates that he ran against, that he ran, uh, they didn't like him anyway. You know, Gustavo Rivera. Uh, you know, he was never going to work with Eric Adams. He, he's a very public Adams basher. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he really like further harmed any relationships, uh, but he certainly didn't build any new friendships in Albany going into the 2023 session either. Right. As you look across this landscape of uh, state Senate primary results, any other sort of uh, city and state loves to do the winners and losers. So give us some previews here of something that, <laughs> that you might be looking at. Any other, any other folks that really stand out to you as having a good night or a bad night. Um, you know, you got it a little bit. Representative Adriano Espayat, very much expected to win his own primary, which is not a real race. He will obviously be going back to Congress unless something crazy happens, some scandal or something. Uh, but his efforts at really expanding that squad and really, you know, uh, cementing more power uh, through, through these state Senate races uh, did not go well. Uh, so he obviously had a tough night, as we said, Mayor Adams, uh, anybody else on either side of the ledger that you want to point to in terms of a, a good night, a bad night? Um, what, what are you how are you thinking about some, uh, quote unquote, winners and losers? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I guess it's not to scoop anything you have publishing. So, you, you know, hold, <laughs> hold back whatever you want to hold back. <laughs> uh, everybody no, should good. Read, I'll be I'll be thinking read Jeff's stuff no matter what here yeah go ahead uh I think it was a good night for uh for state senators who are leaving and wanted to uh, crown their replacements uh I'm thinking of uh, Natalia Fernandez in the East Bronx uh she is going to succeed Alessandra Biagi mm. Biagi of course ran for Congress against Sean Patrick Maloney um, she represents a, a big East Bronx district and endorsed Natalia Fernandez to uh, to replace her. And, and Fernandez won handily. I mean, that that, that win was never really in doubt. Uh, and Fernandez also doesn't easily fit into uh, into a box here. I mean, she had Working Families Party support. She had Biagi support. But uh, she's also like an ally of former IDC leader Jeff Klein, and yeah. she had the Bronx Democratic Party support. So she was kind of the consensus candidate almost mm-hmm. across the ideological spectrum. Uh, similarly, could, like to get behind the winners, too. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But also just real quick, I just want to say on this point, and I mentioned at the top, but in case folks may say, I also am talking on the podcast this week with Mara Gay of the New York Times editorial board. Find that conversation at Max Politics or, or the Gotham Gazette site as well. And we, we talked a little bit about this you know, this persistent issue of people sort of overdoing some of the ideological lanes and boxes, uh, you know, including the Times editorial board's uh, lane and, and box. But, um, but you know, there, there's some interesting aspects of that here with, with some of these state Senate races, um, you know, as you're getting at a little bit there. So it made me think of that. But anyway, go ahead. 
No, you're right. You're right. Uh, and and well, I guess I'll turn our attention over to uh, to Staten Island as well. Um, of course, as we're heading towards the general election, uh, expect uh, every single news outlet in in the city and the country to write another one about Max Rose versus Nicole Maliotakis round again. two. Uh, but on the ground there, the state senate race, uh, Diane Savino, uh, another former IDC member is retiring from the state Senate after years and years. And uh, her hand-picked replacement, Jessica Scarcella Spanton, won easily. Uh, she was not the progressive choice. There was another candidate, Sarah Blas, who was kind of getting the WFP and, and progressive uh, elected officials support. But Scarcella Spanton was, was clearly the, the mainstream choice. Basically, all the Democratic officials from Staten Island and, and Southern Brooklyn were behind her, and, and she won easily. So she will most likely be also heading towards uh, the state Senate next year. So yes, another uh, kind of hand-picked replacement for a uh, retiring incumbent there worth, mm. uh, worth shouting out and worth mentioning. Yeah. What, um, w- let, let's merge in here with, and we may, maybe we'll come back to some of the state Senate stuff, but let's merge in here. Um, you know, as we get towards our last uh, five, six minutes here um, w- with the congressional results, because overall, as I was saying, the left had a, had a good night in these primaries, whether it was holding some of their, state Senate seats, especially, um, you know, Robert Jackson, Gustavo Rivera, Jabari Brisport, um, but also picking up the new state Senate District 59, most likely. Again, there's a general election to come, but uh, in just about all these districts, the Democratic primary winner will be heading to the state Senate or to Congress. Uh, New York 11, of course, uh, being a big exception, as you noted there, and everyone's gearing up for the Malliotakis Rose rematch here uh we lots of lots of interesting dissection there over the coming months but um obviously dan goldman is more of a moderate candidate um however fair or unfair some of the labeling of him i think conservative is unfair but uh more of a moderate candidate than assemblyman yuli new city council member carlina rivera and representative mondaire jones who moved down to the district and looks like he will now be exiting congress after just one term uh all more to the left than goldman it seems at least on a few issues and and sort of approach to um to governance and issues um the working families party behind yuli new obviously performed well there but didn't win um any any sort of thoughts on that and what do you make of this idea of the wfp and yuli new maybe making a general election go at this race for once you know the wfp almost virtually always backs the democratic primary winner but this is not a race where it would be a spoiler situation um what do you think I will uh, give my uh, exclusive uh, text message with Mondaire Jones last night. I asked him uh, what he's going to do with that Working Families Party line. Technically, Jones yes. has the WFP line in November in that 10th congressional district. Uh, he simply responded, no. <laughs> I assume okay. that means that he does not intend to contest it. I assume that means that uh, 
that he's just going to stay out and, and Goldman uh, is going to kind of run towards November. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. I mean, look, of course, there's a lot of progressive excitement to, uh, yeah, to defeat a more moderate Democrat. And I just don't see anything happening in November. Uh, the focus on November is going to be on holding the House. It's going to be all about vote Democrat, vote D. And uh, I just think it would be a bad look for the WFP to be <laughs> to be putting mm-hmm. any resources towards uh, trying to uh, you know, win a, a inter, intra-party uh, scramble there. Mm. Um, look, just to I, be, yeah, just to be, I mean, just to be clear, you know, if the WFP really wanted to run Yulene New, they could probably get Mondier Jones to sort of sign the paperwork and and do that. Maybe, I mean, maybe he would object to it because um, he doesn't want to see that type of battle play out. So that would be that would be interesting. But you're, you're right, there is some real technical stuff that would have to be worked through to, to make that happen. Right. At this point, it just seems like a, a progressive mm-hmm. fever dream for for anything there. Of course, you know, I'm going to keep my eye on it, but I, yeah. I just don't see that happening. Um, but look, overall, I think progressives should be proud that they held on to every seat uh, and contested a couple really strongly and then picked up one with with Kristen Gonzalez. Uh, so, yeah, overall, it was uh, I think I think the progressive movement in New York City, New York State uh, has, you know, obviously some disappointments, but also stuff that they should be should be proud of. I mean, look, it's not 2018. It's not like DSA is going five for five and making a huge impact on the state legislature. It's not 2018 where a DSA candidate uh, took down Joe Crowley in Congress. Mm. Uh, but I think this is uh, maybe shifting into more of a, uh, I don't know, slow gains and maintenance for the progressive movement mm. uh, rather than these uh, kind of shocking wins that we've seen the past couple of cycles. So, uh, of course, you know, the progressive movement in New York is one of the biggest ongoing stories uh, as we cover politics. And uh, once again, an interesting election for them as as that movement continues to grow and shift and uh, make impact on policy in Albany. What do you, how do you see the the victory for Dan Goldman there? I mean, you know, it, it does seem um, like the Times editorial board made the difference. You could point to some other factors, of course, is also making the difference when you have a tight race. You can't just point to one. But if anything, I mean, you know, it seems like in a district where the Times editorial board seems to, you know, really hold a lot of weight, as we've seen uh, in, in recent elections as well, um, whether for mayor, New York City comptroller uh, and Manhattan district attorney and so forth. Um how do you see, you know, is it more the fracturing of, you know, the left in this way that if any of Mondier Jones, Carlina Rivera and Yulene New were not in the race, then, you know, uh, one of them wins this thing, the Times editorial board, any other factors um, for you? I, I thought the initial map of the results is really interesting where Dan Goldman did uh, really well in the wealthiest parts of the district, you know, big swaths of Manhattan, uh, including where he lives. And then, you know, uh, lots of downtown Brooklyn. Um, and he's, you know, as I discussed with Mara Gay, uh, on a different episode here today, he, uh, you know, is going to have a lot of inroads to make in some of the communities of color in this district and even in, you know, some of the areas where you knew did well in sort of Brownstone, Brooklyn. Um, but, what do you point to as the as the main factors and the results here for Dan Goldman? Uh, look, among a certain part of the city's electorate, there is a real pushback 
against progressives and against anybody who aligns with that term. Uh, there's just a lot of people who, you know, they, they want a, a moderate. They, they want somebody who's a more mainstream Democrat and good old fashioned liberal, right? I yeah. think so. I think mm-hmm. so. And uh, look, of course, this is a more progressive district. We did see a large percentage of the district vote for a quote unquote progressive candidate among Jones and, and New and Rivera and, and arguably the few votes that went to Bill de Blasio, even though he dropped out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a different uh, it's a different district. I mean, all, dif- all whatever, all districts are different. But uh, I think Goldman won, yes, with that, uh, you know, the, the people that wanted to see a moderate, the people that uh, that appreciate that uh, kind of, yeah, I don't know, quiet liberalism. And you're right. He's going to have uh, a lot of voters in his district to uh, to win over, um, assuming he does hold on and become the member of Congress um, in, in the coming years. There's going to be a lot of pushback. I certainly uh, at this point would, again, if things hold, expect a vigorous challenge in 2024 in this district from who knows. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping my eye on it. And and uh, of course, look, the, the anybody uh, from the left of the center of the Democratic Party is is going to be fighting over this race for years to come over whether one of the candidates should have dropped out, how things could have gone differently. Uh, this is going to be the new like Bernie Hillary 2016. People are going to be relitigating right, right, it yeah. for for years and years, and uh, it, it's going to be a real, I think, point of frustration for the progressive movement. Uh, but it's also going to be one heck of a point of pride for uh, the moderates of Lower Manhattan. So mm-hmm. one to mm-hmm. one to keep an eye on. Yeah, and it reminds me of the of some of the lack of coalescing and the hand wringing over the mayoral race, right? Where um, you know there was there was not the same thing, but you know uh, a very late coalescing around Maya Wiley on the left, and the Times editorial board went with Catherine Garcia. Of course, if the Times editorial board goes with Maya Wiley, she's probably the mayor. Uh, you know, all sorts of what ifs. Um, but of course, you know things broke how they broke, and they broke how they broke for various reasons, including um, you know as Mara Gay said, you know the. Time Times thinking that the city really needed a manager and uh, and wanting Catherine Garcia to, you know, be the candidate for that job. So things, you know, go in these directions. Uh, Dan Goldman putting four four million dollars of his own money uh, certainly had an impact. We shouldn't leave that out. Um, So a lot of different factors go into these races, but that'll be very interesting to watch if there is a challenge to him from the left, assuming nothing else happens this election. Um, You know, once once candidates get to Congress, you know, it'll be be interesting to see if there is a real appetite for somebody to take him on that has a real shot of winning, you know, even in this district, I'm not totally sure the appetite will be there, but it'll be interesting to see if he makes any big stumbles or something like that, or he doesn't make the inroads to certain communities or the outreach that people feel like he needs to do. Uh, you know, as I was saying early, he's probably been, you know, mischaracterized by many as more of a conservative than he is. Um, and he's tried to fight back against that. He's had a couple, you know, slip ups to give people some ammunition on that, including some of his abortion comments that he sought sought to clean up. Um, you know, but he he seems at least to me like someone if he actually gets there, I don't know that there'll be a big clamoring to take him out of Congress, but it'll be interesting to watch. Um any final thoughts here, Jeff Colton, on that or anything else, anything we didn't mention, any particular races we didn't mention that you want to give a quick shout out to any candidates, any um, incumbents who held on? You know, I think Andrew Granardis was a very interesting win in Brooklyn, for example. I'll name one where he had a, a very new district to run in and he was facing a former city council member in David Yasky, which, you know, 
I, I thought Gennardis would win, but it, you know, it was, it was, um, could be close and it was not that close. Um, so that was an interesting one to me, uh, as he, his redistricting really gave him a, a pretty new district to run in beyond his, his Bay Ridge base. Um, any other final thoughts here or races you want to shout out that we haven't gotten to? Yeah, it was just one race I was following uh, kind of in the background was, uh, yeah, there's this new Binghamton Ithaca district uh, and it's it's leans Democratic. I think uh, the winner of the primary is going to hold on in November. Leah Webb, a uh, Binghamton city council member, a black woman, had a lot of progressive support from the Working Families Party and its allies. Uh, she won the primary there and, uh, like I said, will most likely be a uh, state senator come uh january so leah webb that's a name to uh to get to know i think she could be making some some waves uh in the state senate when it comes to legislation in the new year keeping my eye on her and uh also uh monica martinez uh, on long island a uh, she lost re-election former state senator lost re-election a couple years ago and uh won the democratic primary over assembly member phil ramos and uh could be heading back to, uh, I mean, look, Long Island, my God, yeah, the, a lot these, of... <laughs> the state Senate delegation has been changing constantly. It's always the center of action in the state Senate. So yeah. really going to pay attention there. All right. Jeff Colton, City Hall Bureau Chief for City and State New York. Thank you very much, as always, for the time. Really appreciate you uh, chatting with us here the morning after the second primary. Get some rest, hopefully, here these final days, weeks of summer, and uh, we'll be reading uh, your stuff at City and State, of course. And uh, thanks very much for taking the time. Thank you, Ben.